perfect love is a difficult thing to imagine, isn't it? When you talk about the perfect love of God, we understand that there's a difference between God's love and our love, but yet we use the same words to define it all the time, and sometimes the same things that we equate to other people and to God, and sometimes it gets confusing. Let me ask you this question. How do you know and how do you know when you're loved? How do you know when someone loves you? How, do you, how can you tell that someone actually loves you? I'm sure there's lots of ways. Maybe they spend time with you. Uh, maybe they give you some stuff. Uh, maybe they actually do things that you like to do and they, they do things for you and with you. You know, we understand that. And then today we, we're continuing this sermon series called The Power of Love. And it's from 1 John, and John's been talking to the church specifically because they've been having some difficulty in deciphering who should we follow. We hear some people talk about this, and some people talk about that, and, you know, how am I supposed to love God, and how do I know which person I'm supposed to listen to, and, and how I'm supposed to do these things with God, and what's, what's going on, and it, it gets confusing, and so John has been writing in this particular book, he's talked about God as light, that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And so we can know and trust that if we're following God, that he's going to be shining light on our own lives, which is probably going to show some things that we're not real happy with, but it's also going to be giving us the path to find life. And then he also talks about this big idea that we're also supposed to love God and then by loving God and loving others, it gives us evidence that we're in right relationship with God. And so we, we then take this idea of love, and like I said, we have, this, we have these words from John where he's talking about love and loving God, and we have our own experiences and our own feelings and our own thoughts, and we blend these all together, and, and we have to come up with this conclusion. It's hard to figure it all out at times. I mean, it's just the truth. It's hard to figure it all out at times. And so I want to give you some advice that's going to help you figure out some of the things about understanding a little bit better the perfect love of God as it compares with our limitations in our broken and sinful state and, and how we experience and give love. And uh, it, it, you can sing it if you want to, but I'll give you your three words of advice. Let it go. No one. No one bit. No one sang it. That's all right. That's good. So, there we go. Thanks. Somebody's got it. All right. Well, you, don't have to, you can keep going. That's good. I can only get those three words, and then I have to make up some others on the end. I've heard it so much. But we, we got to let it go. What do I mean by this? There are some things that we hold on to in our life that keep us from experiencing the fullness of God's love. And the more that we can learn to let those things go and to then hold on to the perfect love of God, as difficult as that is, because I'm not standing before you today going, well, this is real easy. You just need to love God more. Let's all go home. You know, I mean, that's, that's not that easy. But doing this will help us find life. The more that we're able to let go of some of our own misconceptions and, and bad experiences and things about love, and we begin to understand more the perfect love of God, then we'll find life. This is what John writes, John, 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ 
has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. And look at what he says. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now, I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll encourage you. Highlight it, underline it, circle. That's what it is. What is love for God? What love for God is, is to keep his commands. I'm going to give you this one for free just real quick. Think about this. When God created it all, he had one command. What was the command? Don't eat from that tree. His command was, don't eat from this tree. Everything else is yours. Literally, everything else is, is yours. So what love for God is, is the ability to go, I'm, okay, I'm going to follow your commands and experience all this fullness. But no, we weren't able to keep that command. It's like, well, this one, can I have this one? How about this one? I take the, And we just take that one. And so now what happens is because sin has entered the world, it's not just the one command anymore, right? We have all these commands. And sometimes it seems like that's confusing and that's difficult. But here's what you need to understand is that because God loves us, he's trying to guide us to life. And so the commands that he gives us are an attempt for us to experience life like he originally designed for it to be. So let that sink in for a little bit. John goes on to say this. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. Because everyone who's been born of God conquers the world. You see what he's saying? His commands aren't a burden. If you actually follow his commands, then you'll conquer all the things that you deal with in this world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so the big picture here, as I've said, people are confused follow what to do and how I'm supposed to live out my faith in God. And so John is trying to help them understand that God is light and God is love. And if you follow him, you will find life. Life, love, light. Life, love, light. All those things come together in John's Gospels and in his book here. And he's trying to say, if you follow them, then you'll find these things. But we struggle. And we struggle for a lot of different reasons. Mainly because our ideas and concepts of love and our experiences with love are imperfect and broken and sometimes hurtful. And then when we hear that God is love and God wants us to experience love, we can't put ourselves in a place where we can even imagine what perfect love would be like. And so we drag all of the things that we believe about love and we put them on God. And some of us go to the point where we go, I don't know that I want to be a part of that. So let me take the words that John wrote here in his gospel and then let me also take the words of Jesus that he wrote down from his gospel, John, the book of John, in chapter 3. And let me give you some of my words that put them together. And hopefully 
we can figure out what John is talking about here, about how we know the evidence of love and experience this love. So let me tell you this first thing. The first thing is this. What John's writing about in all these things, love, love is my spiritual birthmark. Anybody have a birthmark? Please don't show it to me. But anybody have a birthmark? Okay. All right. It's your birth, it's, you can't get rid of it. You just have it. It's there. You, you know that's it. It's, it, it's something that just is, is there. And so what he's kind of writing in all these things, all these words about love, he's saying love for a believer, for a follower of Jesus Christ, it's, it's like the birthmark. It's the evidence that you have been born again. That's why he writes these words. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And in John chapter 3, Jesus says these words. Jesus replies, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's something, and you, you know, maybe you've been around church enough for people to, to use that phrase. Well, have you been born again? Do you know what it means to be born again? I admit, I grew up in church, and that was one of those phrases that to me I'm going, I don't, I don't really get this. I don't understand what people are talking about, born again. And, and I understand that, you know, I give my life to Christ, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. That's what that means. I understood that concept. But really letting it sink in to, to be born again. As in you get to start over. As in you're no longer what this was. You are now something else. That's what he's talking about. You see, the reason I say that there's some things that we have to let go of is because I think there's certain things that John is saying that with each one of these, that it, it, it challenges, with something, challenges us with something that we have to be willing to let go of to experience and see the fullness of God's love in our life. For example, in this one, when he says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, or when Jesus himself says, I tell you, unless someone's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, what I think that that shows to us is that if we're going to experience life as God wants us to, we're going to have to let go of our past. We're going to have to let go of our past. Because our past is what is filling that gap right now and defining what love looks like and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to feel and, 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 and all these things in our life are coming from our experiences and the things that we've done and seen and heard and said in our past. And if you don't let go of that and become born again, then you're never going to be able to see and experience the perfect love of God. And so letting those things go from the past is very important for us. You see, you cannot follow Jesus without becoming new. That's what John is saying. Anyone who follows has become something different. Let me put it this way. You cannot follow God and not change Change is the evidence that God is at work in your life. You see, I think a lot of people see it this way, and especially in our culture. You see a lot of people who maybe talk about it as Jesus is something that they need to add to their life. They feel like, well, my life is pretty good, and, you know, I, I do this well, and I do this well, and I kind of have this, but, 
you know, something's missing and I probably just need to add a little Jesus. I need to get me some Jesus in my life. So if I can just sprinkle a little Jesus on top of what I'm already doing, that should level everything out and make it all better. Now, some of us laugh when we say that. I laugh when I hear that and stuff as well. But I promise you that runs rampant in our culture. And people actually buy in and believe, well, I'm a good person and I just need a little bit of Jesus and things are going on. That's not what this says. What this says is you have to be born again. It is something new. It is something completely different. Jesus is not the secret missing ingredient to your special concoction of life. It is something that is totally new and totally different. Jesus is life. And so unless we hold fully on to him, we're not experiencing life. The more that we hold on to our past, good and bad. You see, sometimes we only think about, well, I need to let go of the past, all those bad things that I've said and done and all that. You need to let go of the good stuff too. Because Jesus has something even better if you will hold on to him. And the more we hold on to our past, the more life we actually miss. A follower of Jesus is born again. They get a new day. It is the world's greatest do-over. Amen. We get to try it again. And this time when I'm following Jesus, the great thing is he understands that we're not going to be able to get it right all the time. And so we get to actually even adjust as we go along the way. God, I messed that up. Well, just get it right now. Okay, well, I'm sorry I messed that up. Okay, well, let's just do this again. God's continual and perfect love never wavers as we continue to try to figure it out. And he says, just be born again and follow me. And that's what he wants us to do. And so when we do that, we let go of our past and we hold on and trust him with a new life. And that brings me to my second point. I have new life in Jesus. I have what? New life in Jesus. And this is what John is saying. We're not just trying to add more Jesus to our life. We're trying to let go of the old life and find new life in Jesus. He writes the words, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. In John 3, 16, Jesus says these words, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. There is new life in Christ. But if I'm going to experience new life in Christ, I have to be willing not only to let go of my past, but how about this? I have to let go of my identity. What are you meaning that? I have to let go of my identity. If I identify myself with my old life, then I'm not identifying myself with my new life in Christ. The new life is abundant and eternal, and it completely redefines life. Think about it. Where do you gain your identity? What is a question that we ask every little kid all the time, and then we start pouring it on them even harder in high school? What do you want to be when you grow up? And what does that do? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm, okay, so just follow me here, though. But see where this leads. When we start doing things like that, we start kind of pouring into this idea that what you do defines who you are. And so then we spend our lives trying to find our identity by the things that we do. 
And God says, you find your identity by following me, becoming my child, not by what you do. What you do is temporary. Who you are is permanent. And so you find new life in Christ, and you have to let go of your identity. You know, the reason we hold on so tightly to our identity, but I do this really well, and I get affirmation for that. They even give me a paycheck to do it sometimes. And I'll, I'm going to hold on to that. But God's saying, I've got something better than that. That's not your identity. You are mine. And so it doesn't matter if you gain your identity from your job, your relationships, your hobbies. Your identity as a follower of Jesus is simply this. I'm a child of God. I'm his. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That is my identity. You are his now by new birth. And so you are his child and you have all you need from your father. You can honestly say, my dad can beat your dad up. At that point, I mean, he can't. My dad is bigger than your dad. I mean, it's just, it's that thing. You gain your identity by being his child, not by all the stuff that we do. You see, you have to be willing to let go of those things or you're never going to experience the full life that he has. And most of the time, we don't want to let go of those things because we gain not only our identity, but our affirmation and our comfort and all these other things by all the stuff that we do. But we've got to let that go if we're going to get the life that Christ has for us. Easy to say, not easy to do. So, so how do we do that? Now that is where John kind of turns a corner here and starts giving us some things where the rubber can meet the road on this. How then am I supposed to live this kind of life out? Well, I have to trust him enough. I have to trust God enough, not just to believe in him, but to actually do what he tells me to do. So let me give you this phrase. I am most confident when I am most obedient. Let that sink in for a little bit. I am most confident when I am most obedient. John says these words. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. When we keep God's commands, we demonstrate love for him. John 3, 17, Jesus says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So he's not telling us to keep his commands because if we don't, he's going to condemn us. He's saying, keep my commands and you will find life. If we're going to keep the commands of God, then what do we have to let go of? We have to let go of our plans. I got plans. I got a way to do this thing. I got my idea of how this is supposed to run. I got my way of wanting to do things. And God says, no, if you will follow my way of doing things, you will find life. And also, John writes these words that he really is telling us, look, I keep painting this picture for you. The more that you do what God calls you to do, the more it will exemplify itself through a change in your heart and life. You will find yourself loving God more. You will find yourself loving other more, others more. And you will be confident and assured that your faith is meaningful and that it actually is true and real. Let me just put, give you an example. I think it was like every 
for every one of us growing up, you probably had this stuff. Maybe parent or guardian or whoever was at the house and said, okay, I need these chores done by the time I get home. Okay, great. And so if I had done the chores when they got home, what happens when they get home? I'm like, hey, glad you're home. Good. How was your day? Good. How was your day? Fine. We sit down. We have a meal. We all go do our own things. We go to bed. It's an awesome night, right? If I don't do my chores and they show up, what happens? Why didn't you do your chores? Well, I didn't want to do my chores. Why do I have to do these and they don't have to do anything? Else? Well, it's fine. I don't want to eat. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to go to your room. You know, it's just like it's chaos, right? Because when the authority shows up and we haven't done what they wanted, we either make excuses or we run and hide. But I'm most confident when I've been obedient. If, if I've been doing what God wants me to do and God shows up, you just look at him and go, I'm doing the best I can with all that you've given me to do. Is there a way I can do this better or more? And then we have confidence and faith. But if we're actually living our life going, you know what, God, I don't really like it that you say that. I think i got a better idea of how to do this. Then when God shows up and tries to do things, there's always this feeling of guilt or conflict or difficulty or doubt. And what... It's truly as simple as what John says, though I understand it's not easy. To love God is to obey his commands. If you truly trust that what God has for you is best, then you will do what he says to do and you will find life. Now, let me just tell you, it's not that we're just rebellious and disobedient that keeps us from doing this most of the time. You do realize that, right? For us, and if we're really going to have a mature conversation about this, it's not like we shake our fist at God and go, you have no idea what's going on. Most of the time, here's what happens. Most of the time, we are comfortable with what we have, and we don't want to risk it. Let me put it this way. You see, you have plans for your life. We all do. We have ideas of how we think that it should work. And your plans, hear me on this, may lead to a pretty decent life. Did you hear me on that? You don't even have to follow God sometimes and you can live a comfortable life. I said it. But you will never experience abundant and eternal life that God has to offer when you settle for the best that you can do. You see, that's kind of this misconception sometimes about Christianity. Everybody always maybe puts it out there, well, if you're not following God, everything's going to be rough and difficult and hard and you're going to be miserable and you're never going to be fulfilled. And I will just tell you, that's not always true. Sometimes there are some people who have convinced themselves and they've put themselves in a position where they're very comfortable in their life without God. And the reason that they're not following God isn't this animosity or hate toward God. It's that they don't want to risk the comfort that they've built up. So sometimes it's our comfort that keeps us from following Jesus. Well, God, I got this really nice job, and if I do what you say, I might not be able to do that anymore, and how am I have this to do this, and I might have to give that up, and God goes, hey, that's good, but I got something better, and you go, I'll settle for good. Well, God, you really want me to do that in my relationship? If I do that in my relationship, they might not talk to me anymore, they might not like me, or they might have, well, oh, okay, but are you gonna trust me to give, well, no. I'm just going to keep it like this. I'm going to settle for good. And God says, but I'm offering you life. And you go, I'm good. I'm good. And so we don't experience the fullness and the perfect love that God has to offer oftentimes because we're comfortable. We, in our culture, have so much, to be honest, 
that we don't want to risk it by letting someone else be in control of it. And that's more of the reason why people in our culture don't follow God than anything else. Because the things that we accumulate and do and build up on our own, they may lead to a pretty decent life, but it's definitely not going to lead to the life that you can have by fully embracing and following Jesus Christ. It's just not. Well, pastor, I really don't like someone telling me what to do. Well, all right. Then that's your choice. Well, pastor, I think I'm a pretty good person, and you, know, you compare me to this person and that person. Okay. But if you're going to actually follow Christ, you're going to have to let go of your plans. And you're going to have to find that God's plans and God's idea for your life actually go far beyond what you could have dreamed on your own. And only then will you begin to understand this next point, that God gives me boundaries that lead to life. God actually gives me boundaries that lead me to life. Not that keep me from all these things, but he gives me boundaries to lead to life. And his commands, John says, are not a burden. His commands are not a burden. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. So what do I have to let go of if I'm going to experience this life and embrace these boundaries that lead to life? Pride. You're going to have to let go of your pride. You're going to have to admit that God actually has a better plan than you do. That God could actually do more with my life than I could on my own. And here's the, here's the thing. The more of it you have that you perceive that you have on your own, the more difficult it is to give it to God. Because you look at it and go, that's a lot. God, I'm giving a lot. And God goes, I got more. And if we don't ever give it to him, then we never experience. Can, can I just tell you this? I want, I want this to sink in. Many people say with the way that they live their life, God, I trust you with my eternity, but not for the rest of the day. Think about that. Many, many people say with their life, God, I, I believe that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that you died on a cross, that you were buried and you were dead, and three days later you overcame sin and death, and you rose from that tomb, and the power of resurrection is in you. And if I give my heart and my life to you, then I know that that power of resurrection is in my life and that you can overcome sin and death, that you forgive me of my sins, and that one day when this life is done, that I will spend eternity with you. I know that you are big enough to do that, but I really don't think you can handle what I've got going for the rest of the day. That's how we live our lives. And then we miss out on the life that God has for us. You see, God is shining a path to life. He is the light, but we sometimes are just continuing to choose the darkness because if we were actually to go over here in the light, what would be exposed is our heart that says, I can do it better than you, God, because that's the way that we're choosing to live our life. And so God's saying, I'm, I'm showing the way to life, and if you will follow me, you will find life. 
His words and his commands are the path to life. And the longer we take to understand and obey him, then the longer we continue to miss out on the life that he has for us. You see, the truth about this is, is you can present this truth in a couple of ways. You can present it from the positive angle, right? And you can present it from the, from the negative angle. And sometimes it's more effective to present it from the positive way. Sometimes it's more effective to present it from the negative way. Sometimes people receive it one way or another. Let me, let me say it from the negative way, which I will tell you that I have spent most of my life asking the question, how do we say this in the most positive way? So we're just going to kind of turn this around for a little bit. Here's this truth. Following your own path will eventually lead you away from God into sin, and ultimately your sin will lead you to condemnation, and your condemnation, if not forgiven by Jesus Christ and following him, will lead you to eternity, separated from him in a place called hell. That's the truth, right? We believe that. If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we believe that. And so that's one way to look at it. And so I kind of tend to flip it around and look at it this way. If I actually trust God and I believe he is who he says he is, then following God's path for my life will lead me to find more life and abundant life, not only here on earth, but also eternity with him in heaven. And so I'm going to choose to do it his way. You see, sometimes I will just tell you, Some of us may have grown up in the church that only presented it in the other way. And so a lot of us just got it scared out of us. I'll let you fill that word in. We have children in here. All right. And uh, so that's our motivation in following Christ wasn't to find life. It was to stay out of that place. Okay. But God wants you to find life. And to do that, though, you have to let go of your pride and start living your life his way, not yours. And you would just look at me and say exactly what I would say to you. But, Lindell, that's hard. It is. It's hard at times. There's something I'm learning as I get older. Waiting doesn't make it any easier. You ever figured that one out? Well, that's hard. Maybe one day it will get easier. It doesn't. It actually, in many cases, gets more difficult the longer we wait. And so that's why John really gives us the final answer here in this. My faith will help me overcome my obstacles. It's my faith that helps me overcome my obstacles. This is what he writes, because everyone who has been born of God does what? Conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquered the world. What's the victory? Our faith. So everyone who puts their faith in God conquers the world. And the way that we conquer the world is our faith. My victory is my faith. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 21. Anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. You can live life with all that you can accomplish or you can live life with all that God can accomplish. And it's your choice. And he continues to put himself out there to say, come and walk in the light, find forgiveness of sins, find love for me, find love for others. And then at the end of your life, when all is said and done, you'll look back on it and go, it is amazing what God was able to do with that life. Because it will be shown to be accomplished by God. 
But there's just a truth here, right? How are you going to ever know that if you never do things God's way? And that's where he's saying, what's the victory? The victory is faith. The victory is actually coming to that place in your life that you say, okay, I know that I'm here, and I know where I want to get to is there, and there's a big old gap here, and I have no idea what to do about this gap. And so what I'm going to do with this gap is I am just going to have faith that, God, that you're going to take care of this, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to let the old things go. I'm going to be something new. And I'm just going to trust you every day to do what you call me to do. And I know that in doing that, I'm going to find life. I'm going to quit trying to figure out how to just get from here to there and the quickly things. And I'm just going to go right now today and I'm going to walk step by step with you. So I just want to close with this thought. I can trust Jesus and give him my all. Would you say that with me? I can trust Jesus and give him my all. That is the way that you find life. You let go of the old life and the old things and you give your all to him and you will find life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a second?